We're continuing in our Foundations of Faith series, and we're going to be talking about communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, or Eucharist uh, this morning in our Foundations of Faith. So you're going to want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I want to give you some runway, give you a, a chance to take off, fill that hot air balloon so that when we dive into that text, you're ready to go um, in there. Uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist is an incredible gift that God's given us, and we're going to um, work through that. One of the reasons um, that we're going through this Foundation of Faith series as it builds up to Palm Sunday, is in order to strengthen ourselves. You know, beginning the year, kind of fresh start, new hairdo, new hair color, new whatever that starts in the first year. I'm going to be this, or I'm going to stop being that. Um, and these foundations of faith are things that are essential for all of us as Christians forever. And it's a desire for God to connect with people all the time that way, um, as is this um, community that we're going to talk about here in a second. So the goal is to strengthen our foundation so that we might most um, strengthen our faith in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the great thing about communion, and there are many, is that there's an increase in joy um, in our spiritual life, but also gospel presentation and the strengthening of our faith when we take communion together or the Lord's Supper and we do it more often. It, it is meant for that purpose. The scripture's going to bear that out. Um, it's really a loving way to connect to Jesus um, in heaven. It's a way for us to engage him in all that we are, that he's there. Just like you have fond memories of those who have died and gone into eternity, but you're still here. You think and reflect on their birthday or their anniversary, maybe the day that they passed away. When you hear that song on the radio, you're like, that was Mamaw's favorite song, right? Or this, this was her food, and you smell that smell and go, man, that's just how she liked it, you know, or that's how he liked it. So we have all these things that are memorials to us that remind us of, of good things and hard things and what people fought to do things for our freedoms. I mean, it just, our, our life is saturated with that. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. There are all these mile markers, how long we've been in a job, how long we've not been in a job, how long we've been together, how long we've been apart. I mean, all of those things we celebrate. And, and, and communion is a way for us to connect to Christ um, in heaven. And, and Jesus gives us a way um, at, during this time of Passover, before he goes through the crucifixion experience, to be able to engage in such a way that we might remember. So let, let me hit you with the one thing here and just share that and talk to you about that. Communion, what is communion? Communion is about remembering Jesus' death for the forgiveness of sins until he returns. So when you think about communion, you're thinking about how Jesus has given himself. He's poured himself out for the forgiveness of all sins. This, that's, we'll talk more in detail about these two elements, but, but that's what we are to remember. The scripture's going to bear that out, that it's about remembering Jesus' death, the forgiveness of sins that he gave, and, and the life that he lived until he returns. So is he back yet? Okay, that's a no. So we want to continue to do that, right? He hasn't opened the eastern sky. He hasn't raptured us along with those who are already in the grave. So he's not come. So we continue to do this, right? It's, it's even like when you grow up and you still do things that you learned as a kid, even though you don't live with your parents, even though you're not around them, you might be hundreds of miles away, you still don't do that. Why? Because that's not what we did in mom's house. So you still do it. I still take my shoes off before I go into my house. Where did I learn that? Mom got new carpet. We take our shoes off. And I still do that. And what do I make my kids do? Take your shoes off. But they're messy beasts, so they have to do that. That's more practical for me than it is loving. But you learn these cool things from your parents and families. And, and that's what Jesus is, is doing. You know, this is kind of not only um, famous last words, but, but 
encouraging, intimate actions that you can draw together and connect with who he is. And it's very important to remember this part of forgiveness of sins. And you, you have to answer the question, have your sins been forgiven by the only one who can, Jesus Christ? Is grace amazing to you or is grace annoying to you? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior or, or the guy you just try to avoid and stay away from? And not just here in this room, but online as well. How do you respond to Christ? How do you respond to the free grace that he offered? How do you fully enjoy all of life, no matter the hardships and challenges or the, or the high moments and the highlights that you would never forget? It all starts with salvation. So are you a Christian? Have you been saved by grace through faith? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The Bible says you'll be saved. Isaiah 45, 22, just look to the Lord and you'll be saved. Call on the name of the Lord, Joel 2, 32, and you'll be saved. You know he wants to save you, right? He's not, he doesn't want you to feel like you're the, the last kid picked or the last one in. He desires um, to pull you in and to love you and for you to be saved. And it's really just simple. You have to just call on him and, and confess and say, Lord, forgive me. Be my Lord and Savior. Let me give you some context to communion. Um, when we talk about taking communion and we talk about having the Lord's Supper together, we need to make sure that communion takes place in a Jesus-honoring way. Um, and, and that's going to bear forth a little more scripture. But when you think about communion and the times that you take it, whenever, wherever that you take it, um, you want to make sure that you're doing it in a Jesus-honoring way. Which, by the way, you could take that word communion and put any noun in there, grammar people, that you want, and it should still be the same. I should work at my job in a way that honors Jesus. I should love my family members and neighbors in a way that honors Jesus. I should love those that hate me and hate what I stand for and come after me on social media in a way that honors Jesus. So you get what's going on. This is kingdom mentality and the kingdom heart. I'm gonna kill him with kindness. Can I say that, <laughs> right? I'm gonna kill him with kindness. Just love him to Christ all the way, no matter how much they hurt. Turn the other cheek if I should. So in that, we wanna do it in an honoring way. Now, we're not gonna read these scriptures, but I wanna summarize 1 Corinthians chapter 11, before and after, because it gives us great context to what's happening in communion. So here are some things that are important as we lead up to communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 through 22, and 27 through 32, we see this. Communion is meant for us to have a better gathering together as Christians. That's one of the persons, verse 17. Verses 18 and 19, it's to bring unity among Christians. But isn't it interesting how so many times communion and the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever you, you, you call it or grew up with it, it sometimes can divide. But it was always meant to unify us together. In verses 20 through 22, to bless all equally because God doesn't play favorites. It's a level playing field, right? So the, so the rich come to Christ the same way as the poor, the middle class comes to Christ the same way as the, the uber wealthy, the heartbroken and low self-esteem come with those who think too highly of themselves. It's a level playing field when you come before the Lord in communion. It's just, it's a leveler. In verse 27, we see that we are to elevate the body and blood of Christ in a worthy manner in our hearts. So when it says don't take communion in an unworthy manner, that's what it's talking about. Don't disrespect, don't devalue what the bread and the cup symbolize, right? That it actually means something. And the problem is, is that familiarity can almost, um, almost always, almost always breed complacency if we're not careful. So you become too familiar with something 
Then what happens? You become complacent. And then after you become complacent, then what's next? You take it for granted. Look at relationships where people have treated you that way. We've been in the other salon. So, so you just become, it just becomes familiar. Or maybe here's a better example. If you just had to eat the same food every day, right? So I tell you, we're, we're going to fast for two weeks. And then we're going to break the fast. You're going to eat. Well, that first day that you eat that meal, you're going to be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had, right? This is the greatest mac and cheese man has ever made. And then you eat that 14 days in a row and you're like, I'm going to die if I have to eat for multiple reasons, mac and cheese every day. So we, we know that and, and that's what can happen. So when you're balancing communion and you think about not taking enough or not taking it too often, the essential core is to make sure we take it in a way that honors Christ and value those things. In 28 through 32, we see it's a time of much needed self-examination, a reflection in order to avoid condemning judgment um, of God. So God wants to use this to um, clear out the, the cobwebs in the attic and, and to bring light to the basement in the dark places of your soul. So before you take communion, you self-examine. And there aren't a lot of places in the world that can do that. I can remember growing up playing t-ball. And I remember when they used to give trophies to only winners. And then somehow around the 80s and 90s, they're like, everybody's winners. And you know what one of the dads told me? That just means you're all losers. Because everybody gets a trophy. And I thought, dang, I'm probably never going to play t-ball again. But when you think about how that works and how that engages, when you, when you think about communion, it's a, it's a time to reflect, right? So you, you think you've got skills and then you compare yourself to other people and you're like, no. Well, when you come to the feet of Jesus, you're like, we're going to take Lord's Supper. We're going to have communion together. I'm a Christian so I can take it. Then you start comparing yourself and you're looking and you go, Jesus, I am a, a wretched man in which you have saved but I need the redemption that is symbolized and comes through the gospel message of communion. That you have given your body, that you've poured out your blood for the sacrifice of forgiveness of sins. That's what I need. And it's one of the rare places in this world and certainly one most unique um, into the Christian faith and religion that we might be able to reflect and go, okay, where do I need to improve? And the cool thing is it's a great place to see blind spots because the Holy Spirit will go, here's where you struggle. Here's a place that you need to make sure um, your heart's ready in a worthy manner. So, so we see this, the elevation of, of body and the blood of Christ. What is the focus of communion. The focus of communion is to outwardly elevate also from your heart the elements, the body and blood sacrifice of sin that Jesus did. So when you're taking communion and the focus of it, it's on the bread and it's on the cup. That's what's essential. So when I'm sitting in, uh, sitting in a, a concert and the musician stops and we're outdoors, it's like we're going to take communion. What's the focus? The communion of the cup. When you're on the mission field and you're out in the middle of nowhere and somehow have managed to find elements that you can do that with, what's the focus? The bread and the cup. When you're sitting at home and your devotion and you know the Holy Spirit wants you to take communion and be with him and get close to Jesus, what's the focus? The bread and the cup. That's what they represent, the, the symbols that they embody in order to remind us of the importance and the essence that takes place. So that's, that's the, the, the elevation, right? That's the way that it, it, it grows and increases and in, in the thing that loves, right? You don't go to somebody else's birthday party and, and, and ask for other gifts. My daughter was really young. She had that problem because she just thought birthday meant she got presents. So every time we went to someone else's birthday, 
She'd be like, where's my present to the birthday person? When are you going to sing to me? When do I get to take the birthday bite out of the cake? It's one of the traditions we have in my house. When you have a birthday cake, um, before anybody else can eat it, you've got to take a big bite out of that on your face. And we get a picture and it's embarrassing. And once they start dating, it's going to be awesome to have that. So you've got all that out there, right? So when, you, when you're, you're thinking about communion, you're thinking about the elation, that's what it's about, right? It's, it's about Christ. It's about what he's done. It, that's what the remembrance is. To draw yourself to him and go, this is, this is not only the essence, this is the essential for everyone to know and remember in whatever form that takes. So let's get to our text here in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verses 23 um, to, through 26. Uh, the, in, in my passage, it's, just, it's in the Lord's Supper in that section, but we're going to look at the concentrated effort of this and just read through 23 through 26. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and let me just encourage you, the Corinthians were, were just like us. They had their struggles, they had their difficulties, and they did certain things well. So um, let's read this. So verse 23, for I received, I Paul received from the Lord um, what I also delivered to you, Corinthians, and then ultimately all other Christians, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, Christ says. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Then verse 26 is kind of like the cliff notes, cramming for college exam. I didn't read everything I needed to read. Communion explanation. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if I was you and I was a highlighter, that 26 somehow I would highlight that because that really embodies the essence of communion, right? The cup and the drink and what does that mean and how often do we take it and why do we do it until the Lord comes back? Then we don't. But then you know what else he said? Then we're going to take it with him again in eternity because he's like, when I leave after this moment, I'm not going to take this again until we do it together. I mean, isn't that awesome? I'm going to sit at the birthday party and not eat the cake and the ice cream, but let you guys have it. And then when we're together, I mean, that's going to be awesome to experience that. But, that, but we're not talking about this. So let's just talk about what the elements represent, right? What, what do the elements represent? Let's talk about the bread uh, in this. So um, the, when it comes to the bread, it says it's the body of Christ which is given for you. John 6.33 says that I am the bread of life which gives life eternal to the word. I mean, it's one of the main monikers, uh, titles and names that Jesus loved to apply to himself. And we know how bread is, right? Those um, carbohydrates give us long-lasting energy throughout the day. So you just, you need carbs to make it through, you know, not just simple sugars and other coffee stimuluses. You, you need things like that. So he's like, look, I'm the bread of life. Look it up, John 6, that gives eternal life. So when you start looking, connecting to that, and, and by the way, um, communion shows up in the Old Testament as well, in a lot of different places and a lot of ties to it. And we're, we're not going to dive into that, but we're looking here. But when you talk about the bread and you think about whatever form that takes, whether you've actually got unleavened bread or the wafer that's a circle or a square, that's representing the body of Christ, which was given for you for what purpose? for eternal life. Why did Jesus come to earth? So that we could start Christmas because we were missing it? So we could give gifts to everybody else but him on Christmas? Rude. No. So that he would come and go, look, there's a problem with sin and that's why I'm coming. 
I'm going to set people free, not from the Romans. I'm going to set people free from sin and death. So he comes and he just saw that sin problem. So he lives and he teaches and he gives us the example. He's the pinnacle, the penultimate model of how we should live our life and engage in every relationship of every kind of people, every kind of job that we run into. Just look how Jesus responds. It's in the Gospels. Also, he's in the Old Testament and throughout the rest of the New. So he's just like, look at my body of work. Look at the bread. It's the good staple, right? It is the one that will sustain you that you have. If you've got bread and water, you can live for a really, really, really long time. If you've got bread and water. So he says, I'm bread. And then when you talk about the cup, um, I like to reference Matthew 26, 28 here. Uh, because Jesus just says it uh, when he's doing communion in Matthew's account up there at the Lord's Supper. Um, he says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as he holds the cup, he's like, this is what that cup represents. My blood where? On the cross, my blood where? Sweated out of my, my brow in the Garden of Gethsemane for the forgiveness of sins. So you've seen my life, live so that you can know and find the way in the path of forgiveness of sins, which is Jesus Christ. But then the blood is poured out to make that possible. Because in the Old Testament, it was just animal sacrifices and, and all of that. And that had to happen repeatedly, annually. Um, there, but also uh, all the time you would just come. I mean, you just read through those, right? Riveting pages of Leviticus. And you'll be like, whoa, this is why this is. So he's like, dude, but now he comes. He's like, it's finished. I've completed it. It's full here. And he becomes the substitutionary once for all death and sacrifice. So before, it was a sacrifice, sacrifice. So that's why when you came to church this morning, it wasn't filled with like goats and doves and sheep. Because of Christ. If we live back before Christ died on the cross, and you came to, to church or synagogue back then, it would be surrounded by those things because that's how you found forgiveness. And the priests had to do it. So Jesus, the high priest, gives himself on the cross so that you might come through him by his blood, right? That that sacrifice may be there for you. So that's what the, the cup represents. It's not just the smallest amount of juice you've ever drinking in your life. It means the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what it reminds you of. And you take the bread and you think of the bread and you go, this is what sustains me, Christ. Remember the, remember the woman at the well and John? And Jesus is like, you guys got to go away and get some food. We don't have any food. He get, they, the disciples go and get food. Um, he does the whole experience with the woman at the well. Prophet just tells her about her life. And she's had five husbands. The man she's what she's not. And he's come to reveal himself as Christ, reveals him to her. Then um, she goes, accepts him, believes him as Christ, goes, tells everyone in the city, and then comes back and they're like, Jesus, we, we have brought you food. He's like, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. Have you ever had just such a joyous moment that you just, you didn't need anything else? You're like, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm not even thirsty. Desire nothing else. This is a complete moment that is just incredible and desire not to have any of those things. So Christ is like, that's what I am for your life. I both sustain you and save you in that. He is Lord and Savior to do that. Why should we take communion? Verse 26 says it out there. To proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. To remember Jesus' life, death, and sacrifice for us. But also they are public symbols that we are unified together. Acts 2.42 says that, they had, that all the new Christians had gathered together, right? So, so Peter preaches a sermon, all these people were getting saved. They gathered together daily and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, communion, fellowship, and prayer. Every day they did that. Every day. 
Some of you are old enough to remember when, when the church used to be much more centralized in the culture that everything else happened around it or at least was planned around it. Well, that was no question for them in first century. That's what they did. And they went to the synagogue to worship. Now you're thinking, why is that a big deal? <laughs> who wanted to kill the Christians more than the Romans? Those who didn't believe in Christ. So it's, the, the, you, you've got these folks there. They're worshiping in the temple. But why are they doing that? To, to put that out in front of other folks. That's what we don't, that's why when we take communion here, we take it in front of people who aren't Christians. We do it on the mission field. You do it in front of people who aren't Christians. Because why? You're explaining the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is what this bread eats to me. Because believe me, if you take communion in public, they're going to be like, what in the world are you doing? Why are you eating such little things? Are you on a crash diet? Is there something wrong with you? What's going on? And you're like, here's what this represents. Here's what that represents. And you get to share the gospel with people. It's incredible. It's a natural progression. And most people have had a beverage from a cup, and most people had bread of some sort. So they can relate. So why should we take it? One, because it's a, a public profession or faith like, like baptism is, but also because people seeing may be stirred in their heart by the Holy Spirit to be saved. Christ may see, they may see your commitment in Christ publicly, and that may draw them closer to the Lord, and God may save their soul, and they may respond to that grace. It's incredible. Here's a question, Right? How often can we take it? How often can you do communion? How often can you take it? Now, the Bible tells us, um, and it even says right there, as often as you take it, as often as you go, as often as you're there. Here's what I see. The, the Greek word often literally means many times. It means lots of times. And I would say this to you. And I've researched and read as many scriptures as I could find in the Old and the New Testament that's connected to God's holy word. And should you be led so, you could take communion every single day. And you don't need anyone else to administer it to you. You can do it there before the Lord. Do you have to take it every day? No, but you can. You need, I guess maybe one of the best ways to say it is just be prepared to take it whenever the opportunity arises itself. That your heart may be so clean, right? What's Christ say? I desire obedience. Um, obedience is greater than sacrifice. So he doesn't want you to wait till it's time of communion, then get your heart right and go, okay now, and then live however else you want until the next communion time comes around. Christ wants you to live in obedience with him all the time. So should you be led to take communion, you could take it every single day. If you want it, it is not out of the realm of possibility because what is the thing that they put on there? The communion is a blessing that proclaims the gospel message and that the emphasis is this, to remember as a Christian and realize for those who aren't saved that they could be a child of God. So you've got to get with the Lord. You just got to go with them and go, Lord, and, and make sure that you're right and be able to do because that's what you see in the Bible. You see them meeting together daily. And some people will say this, look, some people are like, well, breaking of bread means that they were just eating meals together. Because sometimes we do that, especially in the South, right? Let's break bread together. And that's what we do. So there's grits involved, way too much butter involved. I mean, there's all kinds, sweet tea, unsweet tea, that's a division, right? So you have all this stuff that's out there. But the Bible tells us, and you can do the word research, you can trace how that is. There are certain words specifically used as it is here. They broke bread the others. It was in Acts 2.42. This says when they were breaking bread, that specifically refers to the Lord's Supper and refers to communion. 
So you can feel free to do that. In fact, we can read later on in Corinthians and some of these others where um, Paul's getting after them going, look, you're doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. You're, you're coming together and you're, you're having this supper and some people weren't getting communion. They were eating communion with everything else. It's like, I've got my cheeseburger fries and my communion. I'm gonna eat my cheeseburger first. I'm gonna take my communion stuff. Then I'm gonna finish the fries. Wrong. Not how you should do it. But every day that they did that. So you have the freedom to do it as much as the Lord leads you to. Or as, as, I guess you could say it as little if you wanted to look at it that way. Look at it that way. So um, that's what we see from scripture. Who should take communion? What we see from the scriptures, the accounts in Matthew and, and Luke uh, and Mark. Uh, John's even got it too. Who should take communion? Any Christian that is saved by grace through faith um, by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Any Christian can take communion because that's who he gives it to. That's who it's for, right? It's for the Christians. And it says to do this in remembrance of him so that we might focus on who he is. So who shouldn't take communion? Anyone that's not a Christian. It'll tell us in these verses we looked at, you bring condemnation on yourself. Just like denying Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is not Christ who condemns you, but you have condemned yourself because you've done wrong, right? Man, when I broke rules growing up and broke curfew in the house rules, I couldn't blame anybody else. It was my fault I was out after curfew, right? No one else to blame. It's your responsibility. You've done that. So when it comes to these things of communion and, and remembering Christ, you have the, the freedom and the understanding to know that you can do it, but you should also do it as a Christian. So salvation, always primary, elementary part. Then after you're saved, then you have this gift in which you can take in order to connect with Christ and proclaim that. So um, based on this message, what can we do to become more like Jesus as it relates to communion, as it relates to the Lord's Supper, as it relates to um, Eucharist? And I, let, let's just talk about our worship for, for a second. Um, when, when you're looking at your personal worship, whether it's your devotional time or as we gather together here corporately, I would say this. Um, you take communion in a worthy manner. As a Christian, make sure your heart is grateful to Jesus Christ for what those things represent. Remember when we talked about how familiarity can breed um, uh, contentment and then that means it just can grow into taking for granted? That can happen in communion. You can start taking it so much um, that you're like, hey, um, I, I don't value the elements. But you know what else is true? You can also take it so little that you don't value the elements as well. And where's the emphasis on? It's going to be you and your heart and your relationship with Christ. Responsibility is just to present the opportunity to others. So, so take communion in a worthy manner. That you're a Christian and that you're saved and that, that, you, that you understand as best as you can what those elements, that bread and that cup represents um, wherever you are. Don't just eat it and knock it back. Take it in a way that means something wherever you find yourself. Whether it's the mission field, the coffee house, not your basement because we don't do a lot of basements here. But your other floors or wherever, wherever God leads, focus um, on that and take it in a worthy manner. When you're out in community, and this is awesome, um, take communion with others, which we're going to do here in a second. But you want to take communion with others. Be ready at any moment to celebrate communion with other Christians. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm just going to surprise show up at your house with a communion set and go, boom, are you ready? But that's essentially the essence, right? You're going to want to be ready to do that. Why? Because it's a heart issue. 
It's a place where you can do that. So be ready at any moment to celebrate communion with other Christians. And I've had communion in places outside of this building with other people from different denominations. Oh no, yes. Because we're not even a denomination. We're just us. But I do that. I've done it in hospital rooms with people that didn't have any pastor or priest to come to them and said, I don't know you from Adam, but I'd really like to take communion one more time before I die. I was like, sure, let's do it. We did that. So I just encourage you um, in community um, to take communion with others because you see that a lot um, with Christ and in the scriptures. Many or even what the, the leading verse said, right? On the night that he was betrayed. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine sitting around a dinner table of a meal that's prepared, especially for such a high holy day's Passover, and then go, I'm sitting with my eighth grade bully at this table, and we're going to take communion together. But that's how powerful God is. That you can still take that together, and then he welcomes it all in so that they all might be saved. So they all may be able to come in. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, here's a great way to serve. Celebrate the Christ of communion. Let me say this so clearly. Communion isn't about us. It's about Jesus. Okay? It's not. We need to focus on him. We need to make sure that, why do we make sure that, all right, so that we don't degrade who he is and what he's done. We don't want to stomp on the cross. We don't want to dig with our heels his blood into the dirt. But instead, we want to say yes and amen and, and praise you for being the Messiah and for saving my soul because there's no reason that someone like me should be saved, but you did. So it gives us communion to remind us of that, to say, yeah, I saved you because God's so holy and Christ is so loving and the Holy Spirit's so true and clear and guiding. So I want to encourage you just to remember that the communion isn't about us, it's about Jesus. And then multiplication. Um, offer communion to other Christians. It is always, always a good idea to publicly remember Jesus's, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. Always a good idea. Someone, which is the point, might actually get saved. It's one of the things that we say when we do it here. If you're here and we're, we're taking communion and you're not a Christian, don't take it. Sit back and relax and enjoy that That soon-to-be-extinct moment probably in our society where you can actually have silence and solitude and peace. Where are the places that you can go to that? It's not the library. That lady will shush you out of the room, man. But Christ is like, look, I will come and I'll accept it and just watch and sit back and see how it all works. So you just never know when God may use you to offer communion to someone else and to other Christians. So let me remind you of the one thing one last time. Communion is about remembering Jesus' death for the forgiveness of our sins until he returns. So the goal for us, even like next week, how we're, we're talking about prayer, so we're going to be praying more in the back room. The, the goal is for us to do those things that we see in scriptures. Man, I would love for this place to feel more biblically, and so you'll be less shocked when you get to heaven and be like, oh, we never did that. We never prayed about that. We never had communion there enough. We only relegated it to once a quarter, only when we had the feels to do it because it's Easter. And that's what people do, communion, because it literally talks about it. How do you not, right? Or to, to take it for granted, to prepare you to be so inglorious about how God is there on the throne and he lights. And you know, when you read that, when you sing that amazing grace and the sun forbears to shine, why? Because God's so glorious that the sun is blocked out. I mean, you just can't imagine that. 
So to prepare ourselves for that, which means we need to do communion here more. We need to be praying more. Why? Because I think that that's the right ministry philosophy. No, because the Bible tells us to. We should see more salvations, more baptisms, and, and more opportunities for communion. And, and to work that in such a way that we could do that. To be able to express that. And you get there and it's, it's familiar in a good way for the right things.